right, greetings everybody. God bless you and praise the Lord. Um, this is Dr. Valerie Simpson. And I'm Elder Darius Simpson. And we're your hosts, Summary Set Forever Ministries. Um, we're also on the podcast, simultaneously broadcasting here on the YouTube channel, Reset Forever Ministries. And we are here to teach the lesson for this Sunday, Sunday School. So uh, those of you that study out of the Union Gospel Press, you know that we are in a new quarter. This quarter, we are talking about promises. And the first lesson is talking about the promise of Messiah's forerunner. We're coming up on that season. So uh, I am going to ask you to go ahead and grab your pads and pencils, whatever you use to take notes, invite somebody, share this, um, and also make sure that you comment. We always love to read your comments. And we are in the book of St. Luke in chapter number one, verses eight through 20. So with that, I am going to turn the lesson over into the hands of our instructor, Elder Daniel Simpson, uh, for the lesson. God bless you. Praise the Lord, everybody. We just want to thank God for this opportunity. We also would like to start with a word of prayer. Now the Holy Spirit to be. In our midst, as we go through the rich word of God, the word of life. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we want to thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. We want to thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord. And we, and we ask that as we yield ourselves to uh, willing vessels, that uh, the word of life will be poured out from us to whoever it is that calls to your rich word of God and of salvation. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. Yeah. So the promise of Messiah's forerunner. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting lesson. Yeah, and uh, it uh, also speaks of the carefulness of God. Well, and, and you're exactly right because I like this word in the in the lesson. Mm-hmm. Promise. Mm-hmm. The promise of Messiah's forerunner. Right. So I looked that word up, Dr. Simpson. You know me. You know me in words. I have to look them up. I like to look words up. Okay. <laughs> That's just what I do. I have to explain myself. I like looking up words. Um, so I looked up this word promise, and it means to it means to uh, make an oath. Okay. It means to, and I like this because. In this one, Dr. Simpson, we're going to go into Hebrew and we're going to get a scriptural okay. um, reference for this. This is God saying, I'm going to do this on my own. This is not going to be a covenant contractual thing. I'm just going to do this. Yeah, because we know that there are different types of contracts. Or covenants, uh, yes. Or covenants, I should say, which are contracts, um, but there are different types of them. Um, and some things, you know, God just wasn't going to leave it up to us. Yes. And this, and this was one of them. This is, this is what his promises are. And this yeah. is what it says in Hebrews chapter 6, okay. verse 17 and 18. It says, God also, this is the New Living Translation Study Bible I'm reading out of. It says, God also bound himself with an oath, mm-hmm. saying that those who receive the promise can be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. Mm-hmm. Verse 18 said, So God has given both his promise and his oath. Mm-hmm. Two things are unchangeable, 
unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. So the word promise, as I look it up, this this is just out of dictionary.com. It says it's a declaration that something will or will not be done, given by one, etc. An express assurance. Oh, you see that? It's an express <laughs> assurance of which expectation is to be based. So um, this is a promise that you are to base your expectations on that God is going to send a forerunner. Not only this, if God give you a promise, he will not, it's unchanging. Because well, yeah. God cannot lie. That's what the word immutable means. It's, it's unchangeable. Unchangeable. And so regardless of any circumstances or situations, it will, it's, he's not going to change his mind. He's not going to undo his promise. The, his words will never fail. So once he speaks it and it's out there, it's going to happen. Or if he declares and speaks something that's not going to happen, his word is out there. It won't fail and it won't happen. Yes, because he's sovereign. He's the Lord. He's he's the creator. Mm-hmm. So it goes on and says this in Isaiah. I know Isaiah is your favorite book. Isaiah. <laughs> Chapter 40. Oh, yeah. Isaiah. Let me just get that reference up there for everybody. The first one. I'm sorry. I didn't put it up there. Just for those of you that are taking notes. The first one was Hebrews 6. 17 and 18. Verses 17 and 18. All right. Okay. And then the second one you're giving us is out of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. 40. Verse 3. Okay. Through verse 5, I'll read. 3 through 5. Now, this is God's promise Mm -hmm. through Isaiah the prophet talking about the forerunner. Mm -hmm. And the promise that he spoke through Isaiah, he's going to bring to fruition in this lesson. And I like how God's going to do it. We're going to go to the lesson and see how God do it. Because God is a wonder. So in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, it says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert, wasteland, a highway for our God. Every mountain shall be exalted. I'm sorry, every valley shall be exalted. And every mountain and hill shall be made low, level, even. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, smooth out. In verse 5, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And this is Isaiah prophesying through his a spirit of, of prophecy. When the, the, the Bible says the spirit of God, which was in them, did prophesy. Yes. And it was in him. Yes. Yeah. So he was prophesying by the Holy Ghost in him. No private interpretation, right? All right. So he was prophesying that there was going to be one to walk before them. Yes. Why? The reason I said earlier that this is a, my eyes, the carefulness of God is that, and I didn't look at your notes, so I don't know if you have this in here, but I have a feeling from what you study, it probably will come up, that um, he had a forerunner right, to go out and to turn the hearts of the people back to God. And so, you know, just for Jesus to have shown up would have been sufficient, but God is so careful, he sends out a forerunner to let them know this is about to happen. This portion of scripture, whether they understood it or not, 
was preaching repentance to them. Yes. And his repentance was different than Elijah uh, the prophet. The scripture said also that he would turn the hearts of the children back to the father. That's right. And the hearts right. of the father back to the children. Mm -hmm. So that was generational from generation mm -hmm. to go back to the covenant that he made with them on Mount Sinai. Okay. And out of uh, John's preaching, he would preach repentance. Yeah. It's different than in, than what the what the priest did, because mm -hmm. when I wanted to repent for my sins, I had to take an animal sacrifice, mm -hmm. and they were making atonement for me. For you. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that would cover my sin. Mm -hmm. But John did something. Jesus said was greater, okay. because when he preached repentance, he baptized them with water, mm -hmm. preparing their hearts for when Christ will come. And then the Father would baptize with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So baptism of water and of spirit. Yes. And John's baptism was unto repentance. All right. So now we can get to the Sunday school lesson since we laid a good, excellent foundation okay. of God's promise. Okay. So in a lesson, it reads this. Um, that's, um, so we're back in Luke chapter 1, verse 8. Verse 18. You can go ahead and read it. Um, verse 8 says... And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course. Now we know he's talking about Zechariah. Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. Yes. Mm -hmm. he is, he's the priest at this time and he got there and it's going to say that they cast lots. Okay. In order to determine whose course it was or whose turn was up now to go in and to minister. There are 24 um, different. Um, it was 24 divisions in David. Divisions yes. Of priests. Well, David set this up. When, instituted it. <laughs> yes. When they was building the temple, mm -hmm. David instituted this order because some of the priests didn't have the same duties that they had when Moses set the order up. Okay. Because now the temple was made and the, the tabernacle wasn't a, a movable tent anymore. It was stationary because now he built the temple. Solomon built the temple. So now, at this at this juncture yes. in history, they actually have a physical temple. Yes. So now they have. So they courses. don't have those jobs to have certain ones to take it down, and they even had certain ones to touch yes. certain parts of it. So yes. that's over. So now it's a reorganization, is it, or is it just the way that they um, now you're among the priests? So. They pulled lots in order to determine who was going to be the person that was going to go in and offer the offerings in the place of the high priest. No, the high priest always I'm offered. i the priest. Yeah, the high priest always offered up. Every year. Once on the Day of Atonement, he mm -hmm. went into the most holies of holies. But this right here, they're going into the holy place. Okay. And they had to cast lots to go into the holy place. Mm -hmm. We're going to read that. It's very interesting. Okay. So Proverbs says like this. It says... Okay, so you're going to tell me what the reference is? Oh, Proverbs. Proverbs 16, verse 33. Okay. It said, The lot is cast unto the laps, but the whole determination thereof is of the Lord. So I found that very interesting because Zechariah, the lot fell on him, but as we're going to see in this lesson, this was God's purpose and his plan. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, even the whole thing about Matthias and how they pulled, yeah, they drew lots and all about that. God still had his designated yes. apostle. 
So um, they did that, but you know, through all of that, it wasn't a coincidence. This was God's. It determined. was God's doing, and God wasn't waiting, saying, "I'll be glad when they pull Zacharias because I got something to tell them." It's a promise that happened. It was a promise, the and, yes. and then not only that, we can't say, "Well, eventually it would have been His turn," but the Scripture even narrows it down from there and says, "When the fullness of time has come." So this was the fullness of time. So God wasn't going to sit around and wait. He just allowed it. You know, you go through your ritual, but my will is going to be done. Yes. This is what I like about God, because it lets you know that God is in the affairs of our lives. He's in our business. He's all in our business, and I'm so glad. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he does it because of his promises and his oath that he's going to keep to his children. Mm -hmm. Even in this regard. And even in all of his care toward us, every hair on our head, every every heartbeat, every provision. So this is just God working his sovereign will in this whole thing. All right. So that's verse number... So we have verse nine. Nine, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Yes, and this is what it says in, in, in Exodus for burning incense. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 30, verse 7 and 8. And it says this, And Aaron shall and Aaron shall burn thereof sweet incense every morning. When he dressed the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron light the lamp at evening, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generation. So Dr. Simpson, when he went in in the morning time, mm-hmm. he dressed the lamp. In other words, he trimmed it, mm-hmm. made sure the bowls had the oil in it, okay. and then he offered up incense, okay. which, which, which are prayers. Yeah. And then in the evening time, he would light the lamps that he just trimmed in the morning, mm-hmm. and then he would offer prayers, evening mm-hmm. prayers. And, and I was reading something, and I forgot exactly what it was on last week, but it said that that word was often, and it was for my study in the book of Revelation, but it said when they used that term, it was often referring to the Levites who worshipped God day and night. And so that morning trimming of the, the lamp and that evening burning of it and offering up prayers those were worship services. <laughs> they weren't necessarily, those were times of worship and adoration of God, not necessarily with music, not necessarily with lifting up the hands. So it tells you that there is a broad spectrum when it comes to worship that we may not think as worship, but that was the morning sacrifice. And then there's the evening sacrifice yes. and worship. Verse 10. Verse 10 says, And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. Yes. So incense is is a symbol of prayer. This is what mm-hmm. David said. I like how David, David brings together. He says in Psalms 141, verse 1 and 2, it says, O Lord, I am calling to you, accept my prayers as an incense offered to you in my upraised hands as an evening offering. Yes. And so that tells you that those were offerings. You know, um, I keep going back to the revelation, but um, the incense is often referred to 
as the prayers of the saints. saints. Yeah, it's that fragrance and that aroma that comes up and that is very pleasing and satisfying to God. And so that's why David was saying that, you know, when I pray, let my prayer, because some of it, you know, he told Israel in the first chapter or is it the sixth chapter of Isaiah, he told them, he said, I can't, none of your sacrifices, I don't like it, it's noise to me. Because they had, you know, sin and iniquity and transgression, you know, he said wounds and petrifying sores. He, he said, you're, you're, you're ill even from the least to the head. The whole body is sick. So for that reason, because there was sin, it was, it was sick, sickening. And he said, I can't. I don't want to hear it. It's noise. But when David is saying, let my prayers come up like incense. Let it be pleasing. We used to sing a song about that. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. And so that's what David is saying. And so that's what that incense burning. Yes, and he said, my upraised hands as the evening offering. As the evening offering. I lift my hands up and worship you. Mm-hmm. Let it be an evening offering. And as my prayers go up for you as sweet incense. Mm-hmm. Isn't God good? Well, yeah. He's a wonder. Yeah. Well, you see, but you can see David's heart is so full of God. He loves God. Well, I love Old, Old Testament as types and shadows to, for us to mm-hmm. build our faith in the body they of show Christ. Us how, they show yeah. us how to love God. David adores God. So, all right, well, let's go into verse number 11. 11 and 12. And 12. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Wow. They're praying, and then all of a sudden the angel appears. Oh, the same God, right? And on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fearful. Yes, the New Translation says it like this. Zechariah was shaking and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. Mm-hmm. And, and Dr. Simpson, that's not the first time that you read that when people have inquired angels mm-hmm. in the scriptures mm-hmm. that uh, it was so unexpected, I guess, <laughs> in such a phenomenon. That, and that, actually to visually see one because you can be in a spirit of prayer and you're sometimes, it takes pain. It takes really deep pain to get you in certain levels of prayer, right? And I just believe that for whatever reason, it didn't have to be pain for Zachariah, but it was his ministry. But he was so um, ensconced and he was so, he had delved into this prayer and worship to the point where an angel appears. You can feel the presence of the Lord in a tangible way through your prayers, but God wanted it to be visual and tangible and he wanted it to be audible. He just really brought forth this promise in a very wonderful manifestation. Well, one thing I like about the scriptures is that whenever God's going to do something in your life, mm-hmm. he includes you and he gives you detail. It's mm-hmm. like it's like he's coming and said, I'm going to do this for you. Give me the permission to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just like when, when Hannah, Samuel's mother, wanted God to bless her to have a child. Mm-hmm. And she prayed. She prayed the Nazarite prayer. And she pre- already predestinated this what this child would be if you give him to me. Give him back to me. Yes. So she, you know, used the Nazarite vow uh-huh. to really to intrigue God. And God was intrigued with, with her, with her prayer. Uh-huh. And he blessed her. Yeah. And that intriguing of God means that 
your appeal to him, your passion to him, uh, I would like to say it in a way like you're pulling at his heartstrings and yet at the same time you're submissive to him, not just trying to get him to or persuade him to do what you want, but you know, you're pulling on his and, and falling upon him for mercy and um, petitioning him. And so there's one scripture, I think it was when Rachel couldn't have children, that her husband went and he entreated God. And the Bible says, and God entreated him, you know, pulled back on his heart. So. Well, yeah, it was word for word. Mm-hmm. Because when Isaac went to mm-hmm. uh, entreat God for Rachel, mm-hmm. he already had a covenant with God through Abraham. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm the covenant one mm-hmm. that you said the descendants would be. Or Abraham would be a multitude through me. Yeah. So God was intrigued because with him because God said, yes, I did say that to Abraham. And that's what he says to us too. He says, put me in remembrance yes. of my word. Yes, and that's what we have to that's, learn as God's children. Right. To so go to pray to God with his word. He's not feeble. He's not absent-minded. But come to me as this is what it says, and I believe it, and you are a God of your word. And that appealed to God to the point where the Bible says God entreated him as well. So, this so, is what's going on. And, and this, this angel was coming to Zechariah because there is a promise mm-hmm. that has to be fulfilled, and we just read it in Isaiah chapter mm-hmm. 40. Mm-hmm. <laughs> forerunner. And the, it's right on time. Yeah, the Messiah is coming, and he needs his forerunner. And he's an on-time God. He's right on time. It wasn't there, oh, you pulled the lot. No, God was all in that. All right, so we are on, we're in verse 13. number 13. It says, But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah. For the prayer, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Yes. Was he in there praying for a wife right now? I don't think so. But is he in there praying for his wife to give birth at this juncture in their life? I don't think that he was. No. They was I think that ship had sailed. Yeah, they was praying for a long time. So they had prayed for a long time, but he's in here praying, and he's in here about the father's business, and he says, hey, you prayed about something, it's time for it to come back. Yes, this is what the scripture said about Zechariah mm-hmm. and his wife. Okay. It says, Zechariah, he was a priest, as we know, and it says, Zechariah and Elizabeth, his wife, mm-hmm. were righteous in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. They was careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. And of course, Elizabeth, his wife, was barren. Yes. So God always takes the impossible situations to prove who He is. I ain't gonna say uh, who He is. He's sovereign. Well, you know, if it wasn't for us not knowing that this is beyond human intervention, yes. I mean, once you get that established. This is beyond any human ability. If God doesn't do it, you know, I can just count me out yes. for that blessing. And that's why I like when it says, when they cast lots, and then we went to Proverbs, it said God's be determined. So this was God determined that Zechariah would be offering up incense and trimming a lamp during this time because God had a miracle waiting for him and his wife. And he didn't forget 
And even though things <laughs> had gone for a long time like, ago. You know, and, and, and my heart goes out to Elizabeth because it was a reproach. It was a reproach for a woman not to have a child in those days. What, what is wrong with you? You're less than other women. You just aren't blessed. You don't have the seed to um, carry forth, to take care of you, and to, you know, you can't bring them up in the nurture of the Lord. And, you know, their children were their wealth. So, you know, they didn't have a, 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 a government program for, you know, retirement and Social Security. So their children were their wealth. So it was a reproach when a woman couldn't have a child. And scripture barely says it wasn't Zachariah's fault, says Elizabeth was barren. So she went through all of that time in her life with that anguish and that, that you know, sorrow. And I'm certain at a certain point in life, she said it was a missed opportunity. And here comes God at a time when you think not and says, hey, you prayed about something and here you go. I've got an answer for you. It's going to happen. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. It's going to happen. Yes, God is faithful. I mean, that's a whole mouthful to say all that, but it just amazes me when I think about it. And so his name shall be called John. And John means this. It means Jehovah has been gracious. Okay. And I got four things that John would do in his ministry, Dr. Simpson. We mm-hmm. all know this. He was, he was called to prepare the way for the Messiah. Mm-hmm. He would preach... Uh, a great preacher called to preach and baptize he preached repentance uh, and baptized uh, he baptized Jesus for his ministry in fulfilling the scriptures yes. so his forerunner would be great Jesus said he was, he was greater than all the prophets yes and again I like to say that you know this whole thing is God saying Okay, now I'm about to send my son the promise of Messiah, the promise that was made back in the book of Genesis when God preached the gospel to Abraham. Um, I'm sorry, to Eve, and, and Adam got that, um, that the seed of the woman is going to bruise the serpent's head. Well, it took centuries, you know, I don't know how many millennia it took, you know, for it to come about four, and... Um, it took that long for it to come to pass, but nevertheless, God's word always comes to pass, and it is when it is in the fullness of time. So, all right, well, verse number 14, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. 15. And 15 says, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Yes. So this angel is telling or, or pronouncing mm-hmm. to Zechariah mm-hmm. how great this child would be. Mm-hmm. And the angel includes the Nazarite vow. Mm-hmm. The Nazarite vow was a special vow of dedication mm-hmm. unto God. Being filled with the Holy Ghost is a lifelong commitment. Yeah, um, you know, that takes me, um, when you think about this, it takes me to the promise that God made to Abraham in the 12th chapter and 17th chapter of Genesis. Not only did he tell him that he was going to have a seed, that was a good enough prophecy right there, right? But he gives him details about, about him. He goes on to give him details about his descendants and what's going to happen, who's going to capture them, 
I'm going to punish them. I'm going to deliver them. Abraham, I'm going to take care of your seed. And here, for John, you know, he's giving him the promises not only of a child, but that he was going to get the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb, and that he was going to be great. He was going to do. He gives you details about the blessing too. Not, you know, yay! The Lord said, "I'm going to give you a new car. Go check your driveway." He gives details. Yes, and, and it's holy stuff, and, spiritual stuff. And he, he's predestinated. Mm-hmm. He's predestinated to be the the forerunner of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And just like we are, we are called and predestinated. And this is what it says in Romans chapter eight. I got two verses, twenty-nine and thirty. And this is for the church to let you know we are called and we are predestinated to be sanctified. Romans eight and what verses? Verse twenty-nine and thirty. It said, "For whom he did foreknow, he also predestinated to be to be conformed in the image of his son." that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Moreover, whom he did, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. So he glorified. So we've been predestinated to do great things for the kingdom of God. And foremost, Dr. Sims, we've been predestinated just to be saved. Well, the predestination, you know, and, and, and um, you know, let's make sure that we touch on that a little bit because some people say that those who were predestined for salvation, etc., but it, they, they explain it like, well, there were some that were just chosen out um, by God, period, and then others weren't chosen, so they didn't have a choice. So, so they need to slow down, number one. Because whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate. So if he foreknew them, that's he knew what they were going to do. He knew what they were going to accept, what they were going to do, where they would uh, remain faithful. He knew those things. And for that reason, they were predestined. And we we are predestined, but I like what it says in here in, verse, in Romans chapter 6 to 9, to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what our predestination is as the church. We get saved, we get filled with the Holy Spirit, and now we are to conform to be like his son, Jesus Christ. And I think Hebrew says, be not unconformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. Okay. All right. So verse, verse 16. 16. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. Yes, let's read, let's go to Malachi chapter um, three, one and two. You want me to read? Yes, because I just want to read this. Malachi three verses one through two. You're taking notes. I'll put that on screen. Three one through two. Behold, I will send my messenger. He shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come into his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye dis- delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Yes, so John was the forerunner, preparing Christ. And during Christ. Preparing the way for Christ. Yes, and, and during his earthly ministry, Jesus often appeared at the temple. Mm-hmm. But you notice John never went to the temple, he always was out in the wilderness baptizing. That was his place. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was a voice in the wilderness calling out. 
What shall I cry? Isaiah said. It's, it's all, all flesh is grass. And that's what John was preaching. Mm-hmm. All flesh was grass mm-hmm. and the glory of the, of the flesh. It's a fruit. It's the flower, flower there. It's flower of the field. Flower shall fade. And? The grass shall wither. And the grass shall wither. Why? Mm-hmm. Because the spirit of the Lord blow upon it. Mm-hmm. That's what John preached. Repentance. As he baptized Lord of Awesome Four Bunny. Yeah. In verse 17. Alright, in 17. Verse 17 says, And he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias, which is the Greek rendering of Elijah, to return to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to wisdom and to the just to make ready a people prepared for my for the Lord. Three things his ministry would do. The New Living Translation says it like this. I had it right down because you know I like it. It says he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. Mm -hmm. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. That's what he did when he preached repentance. Mm-hmm. He would turn the hearts of the father to the children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to say that first of all, that first part, the spirit and the power of Elijah, and we know from our studies of Elijah that when Elijah would come, sometimes they would just flee from him from him because they knew. He was going to bring a word of judgment in most cases. It wasn't going to be pleasant. It wasn't going to be anything that their hearts wanted to hear. But he would come. So it was a rough and a plain, a very, you know, kind of, I would say, in today's vernacular, no-nonsense type of a prophecy. And that's the way that John came. And you can see that when he's down at the River Jordan baptizing. Here comes the Pharisees, and he says, Who warned you? You, you, you vipers and um, who warned you to come so you know he had that roughness and that boldness about him so he came in the spirit of Elias and then it said and that was to turn um, the hearts of the fathers to the children so we talk about fathers um, in the gospel Paul calls himself an epic a father to Timothy um, and we even talk about apostolic fathers today so when we look at, if we go back to our childhood, you and I um, were raised in holiness. You went to the temple, I had no idea who you were. I was a little kid, about five, so you had to be, you know, a little younger. But we went to the temple, and those fathers, those ones that we were considered fathers, they had that no-nonsense is heaven and or hell. There's no other place. It's live right, give God his glory. Give, it was that kind of a thing. But we're now getting to a place where the hearts of the fathers kind of diminished, watered down, some of them, not all of them. And so what's being handed into the children is not that meaty, substantive um, doctrine and gospel that we got and they say well we can't take it that's mean we don't want you talking to us well you must want smooth things you know preaching us kind things we don't want to hear none of that stuff but that was his job his job was to turn those children the younger hearts of that generation 
to the same thing that got that gospel out there in the first place and allow God to appear where he could appear before his his servants, right? Yes, when you study the Old Testament, you'll see that Elijah, it was his ministry that really the northern kingdom only repented when he went up against the prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth. Yes, yes, yes. That big showdown. It was no fear. (laughs) It was not like, oh, I'm going to upset people, I'm going to offend people, or this is not popular. Yes. And when God answered by fire and accepted his sacrifice, Mm -hmm. then the people said, the Lord God is God. And so they, their hearts were turned to the yeah, Lord. Their hearts were turned to the Lord. And that's the kind of ministry that John the Baptist would have. Mm-hmm. He would preach, and when the children's hearts turned back to God, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Yes, they were, they were ready, and they, they were submitted. They were ready to receive their Messiah. Mm-hmm. And, and you could tell, because later on, if we go into the book of Acts, mm-hmm. we'll find later on that there were a whole group of them there in, um, was it Acts or was it Corinthians 19? I think it was Acts 19. And he said they were there and they said, well, we, we, um, we've been baptized by John's baptism. And he said, oh, that was just until repentance. Now you got to get the rest of it. So, but their hearts had been pricked to the point where they were strong in what they had. They were holding on to what they had. So those things were wonderful. All right, Zechariah, we're talking about in verse number 18. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. Yes, and this is what God said when Sarah also said the same thing. The same thing. That was like you get an answer, you're getting ready to get in trouble. When Sarah laughed and said, Can an old woman like me have a baby? And I have pleasure in my old age. Yes. And the angel answered her, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Mm -hmm. And the Lord had to come and and check Sarah. What did you laugh for? I didn't laugh. You said, what is there any, can I, you know, can can I bring forth, in other words, and the Lord checked her. And told her to marry, I'm sorry, told her to name the child Isaiah, which means laugh. Isaac, which means Isaac. Yeah, I mean, since, I mean, you, since you got so I mean, much Isaac, to laugh yes, about, Isaac, since yes. you got so much to laugh about, name him laughter. Let's keep that in the forefront. But God didn't take any umbrage with her. He didn't take any anger with her. No, because that would give her joy. And not only that, he didn't take anger with Mary. She had almost verbatim the same question. But he wasn't angry with Sarah. He said, well, you know, the spirit of the Most High is going to overshadow you, and you'll be found. And that holy thing in your womb is going to be called the Son of the Highest. But we see a different story. When Gabriel comes and he speaks it to John, and he asks the same, Zacharias, about John, and he asks the same question. And look at the angel in verse number 19. And the angel answered unto him, saying, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, Thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because you believe not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Zechariah, you know better. Yes, so Zechariah should have been, been a man full of faith, because the scripture just said he was righteous. I mean, it's righteous. pretty amazing, right? Yes, the scripture just said Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth was faithful. They was righteous, and they observed all the commandments 
and laws and regulations. Mm-hmm. So he should have been full of faith. This should not have been a new thing for him. This is a priest, okay? It's not. Yes. <laughs> Why are you questioning when the words come? You know I'm an angel. I stand in the presence of God. When I come to you and I say something, how, how can you, a priest, question? Now for that, since you ask dumb questions, you're going to be dumb, and you won't say anything else until this comes to Until this miracle happens. That's what it says. It says, being, I wrote a note, being deaf was a sign of this miracle because of the lack of faith. Yeah. Or being dumb. Yeah. Or not, yeah. not speaking the right thing. Okay. So, yeah. So, that is a very, very good lesson, and it is a promise of the forerunner. I think that we can learn how to take some of these, pardon me, some of these attitudes from these um, men of God and these lessons of God. We can take it from um, <clears throat> Elizabeth because later on we can read about Elizabeth's worship. We can read about Mary. <clears throat> Her song of worship pricks my heart. And we can read about Zachariah. You know, when he writes down finally, his name is John. You know, when he was born, don't name him that. Nobody in your family's named John. Name him, you know, Zacharias. He said, his name, give me a pen and paper. His name is John. And when he did that, his tongue was loose. Yes, because the angel mm-hmm. told Gabriel told him what his name was going to be. So by him being deaf, <laughs> he not, couldn't speak it until not, everything I'm came to fruition. I'm not speaking out of turn anymore because that was at least nine months, right? Yes not to be able to talk. So, you know, he had had such an experience. He wasn't going to make, he wasn't going to make another misstep like that. But God said that it's going to occur. I'm quite sure he had joy because, uh, you know, his wife got a new wound and he had the ability to... I don't know. I don't know if he spoke life in her, but the whole thing was that, that body that was not able to produce, and it was her, it was not John. I mean, exactly. It was Elizabeth. But, Whatever it was that God had to fix, he did it. He did it. And she worshiped. She worshiped. These are some things when God gives us a word, sometimes you have to write it down. You ever write it down when God gives you a word in prayer? I forget things. So I have to write it down. If I forget it, it, it may be gone forever. He may give it back to me. But in, at any rate, um, the lesson topic was a promise of Messiah's cousin. So I don't know if he's going to give us the whole story. If we're going to read about when she got the greeting. So there's a lot more to the story. So just go into John's writing. John is the, you know, no, Luke. Luke is the doctor. Just read more about the story. It will build your faith. Simpson. So our benediction is going to be different. Oh, you can't you change it? Okay. It's going to be in Revelations chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. It says, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, okay. and have made us kings and priests yes. unto God and his Father, to him be glory, dominion forever and ever. And that's Amen. what chapter? Revelations chapter 1. Okay. Verse okay. 5 and 6. Okay. All right. He made us kings and priests. We're kings and priests unto God. All right. Well, amen. Oh, see, you didn't tell me. I don't know. Like, I got to learn it now. All right. God bless you, everybody. Thank you for joining us. And I hope and pray that you'll share this with somebody. 
and um, certainly be sure to send in a comment. If you're on the YouTube channel viewing this, please, by all means, subscribe to the channel and um, like and leave your comment. We appreciate it and share. All right. So with that, we are going to we are going to thank you so much for joining us. God bless you.